All right, crew, welcome back to the CloverTech podcast, podcast that happens fairly randomly as I get a chance to get a guest on and record these for the uh, audio world a little later on. For those that uh, do jump in and join live, uh, you are more than welcome to, as we move along and have a discussion, throw those questions of uh, relevancy anyway out in the uh, chat. As a matter of record, uh, second podcast that we've recorded for the day today. So you guys are getting a, a double dose today, but February 17th, 2021. And so we're going to jump, pretty much jump straight into this. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Uh, been a, uh, a lot of talk about the topics that we're hopefully going to cover today. And we've got uh, Laura Smith, who is the spokesperson, spokeswoman for the yep. Liberal Gun Club. And so first of all, welcome, Miss Laura. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me and, and sorry for moving around a little bit. My pet rabbit is trying to eat my foot. So <laughs> you, you are fine. So, uh, uh, but thank you for having me on and I'm excited to talk about this with you. You bet. So let's, let's start this out. I know, I know quite a bit about the liberal gun club have, you know, listening to you on other podcasts and of course it's GRPC and um, some of the other things with uh but there may be folks out there that that don't know a lot of people don't know there's the liberal gun club there's a socialist gun club there is a lot of different um clubs out there that people are totally unaware that that's a thing and for a lot of people and we're going to get into that conversation today for a lot of people they don't see how those those organizations and those clubs can work because i think people get kind of micro focused on certain political topics of the day and things like that right and they tend to put people in a box and go well how can you be in this box and this box at the same time and we got to get away from the idea of boxes altogether i think but um give us a little rundown a little history on liberal gun club if you don't mind so liberal gun club started um right around end of 2007 early 2008 um as a response to some of the stuff that was happening in the gun world and, and really on like you know the gun chat boards um, with the election then, there was really a feeling that for the more liberal and, and the left-leaning gun owners that they really weren't welcome on, on some of these boards. And, and they wanted to create a place that they could just talk about guns without kind of, you know, being taken to task every five minutes for their politics. And, and so it started, it was pretty small for a while. It stayed about 500 members for many years. And then um, the Pulse nightclub shooting happened. And um, People started talking more and more because obviously that was attack on, you know, the LGBTQ community. Uh, the people in communities then that hadn't really thought about firearms, it became much more um, something that people were talking about. And we did an interview with the uh, LA Times at that point, and that interview got picked up. And then I kind of unexpectedly did an interview with the BBC that I thought was just a little thing, but it was not. And so we kind of became the de facto voice for people on the left for a little while in, in the gun world. Um, and, and through that, our membership started growing. But, but what our club does is we have three parts. We really have three things that we do. But our our goal, our mission is to be the voice for left of center gun owners in the national conversation on firearms. And so we do that in three ways. We have, um, obviously we have the political side, which I do, and, and we lobby, we go at the state and federal level, we talk to lawmakers, but we talk to lawmakers on the left. And we go in with a really different viewpoint than 
the NRA or GOA or, or kind of these organizations that go in that are just, we're against this bill. Don't do this bill. That's kind of not what we do. What we go in and say is, hey, you, this bill is not going to do what you think it's going to do. Here's all the ramifications against the people that you're not thinking about. So, for example, there was a bill in Virginia that got killed um, that would really have harmed women who had restraining orders. Um, it, it would have made them felons if they used a firearm to defend themselves against the person who they needed to defend themselves against, that the restraining order existed for. Um, so we kind of killed that. And, and the person who authored the bill didn't mean for that to happen. You know, they just didn't think about kind of the, hey, this is what's going to happen. We go in and we deal with that. And we say either, hey, you already have a law. Why, why are we doing that? You need to fix the law you've got. Or you're going to have this effect on this community you're not thinking about. Or do you realize how this gets used? I mean, one of the things we talk about a lot with, um, for example, magazine capacity bans. Right? We talk a lot about not that those are stupid and silly and that anybody can reload and, you know, it takes two weeks to learn how to do a fast reload. We don't talk about that because. Because people who don't own guns, right. they don't know what that means, right? Like, what, what, that doesn't connect with them. But if I go in and I say, hey, you realize what you're doing is creating sentencing enhancement for brown boys, right? That they care about. And so that is how we go in and we talk about things. And then the next thing that our club does is we have an education component for firearms owners. So, and non-firearms owners. So we have a make it safe program. If you don't own a gun but you find one in your yard, your kid brings one home, your spouse has one and your spouse is having a mental health crisis. We're not going to teach you how to shoot it, but we'll teach you how to make it safe. Mm -hmm. um, so that you don't have to learn how to fire it. Not everybody wants to learn how to use a gun. And, and there's a real, we'll meet you where you're at. It's okay to say, I'm scared of guns. Okay. I don't like power tools. I'm with you. I'm good. They're just tools, but, but they're not some mythical thing to be afraid. You know, but but we'll we'll meet people where they're at. But we also train firearms owners. So we have certified instructors. We teach everything from basic brand new baby shooters all the way up to big, you know, really interesting all day long defensive pistol and carbine classes. So, you know, all of that kind of work, we do that. And then we have our social aspect, which is really kind of the fun part of the club. And we have forums, we have a really active Facebook. Um, we have uh, a Discord channel, and that's for the paying members of the club. When you can join the, the Liberal Gun Club, it's our membership start at $10 a year and go up. And when you become a member at any level, you get access to all of these things. We have member discounts. We have, you know, we have um, uh, USCCA. We're a CMP club. I mean, we have all these things that membership gets you. So we have membership benefits for our members, but we're also there for people to come talk without kind of you know, we all know it's not everybody in the gun world, but there's a there's a part of the gun world that's not exactly welcoming to people who aren't the stereotype. And so we we exist because that part of the world got very vocal for a while. That's how the club started. And now we have people who want to come in. And we also part of what we do is we we are there so that people who, especially all these new gun owners, right? These 8 million new gun owners in the U.S., a lot of those people, they live in the city. They've never really been exposed to firearms or firearms culture. They don't know, you know, they may not know who Jerry Mitchell is. That doesn't mean anything to them. 
but they know that they want to learn about like, how do I learn about defending myself in my home? How do I learn about carry? How do I learn about, I want to learn about a gun, but I don't necessarily want to learn about, you know, every Glock ever made. I'm, I'm too new. We, we have all of that kind of thing for everybody. Right. Well, I, and I like the approach that you're talking about because it, from, from the legislative level and talking to your representatives down to that personal level, it seems like the liberal gun club has a policy of using a scalpel rather than a chainsaw. Would that be accurate? Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah. Um, and, and I do like that approach because it, and hopefully what we get into is talking about some of the boxes and the labels and the other that I absolutely hate. I think they're abhorrent. Um, but that's, that's the only way I think is to individuals and everybody. You're right. They have that, that, a certain way they're they're only willing to go so far there's a lot of uh, a lot of things said that we talk about meeting people halfway most of the time you got to meet them more than halfway you got to be willing to right you've got to be willing to go at least 60 percent most of the time and if you're not uh, it's not going to happen and so i I do like that approach when you you were talking about the membership growth uh, do you have any idea what the membership is currently we have uh several thousand paid members. Um, We have a pretty active online presence of right around 15, about 20,000 people that interact pretty regularly with the club. So pretty good size. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's, that's up from the 500 or so. Yeah. We don't have 20,000 paid members, but, but we have, you know what? I have to look at his world so fast that I don't even know what the number is now. And I, and I asked that question knowing that your, your paid members versus your reach is two totally separate things, right? right. People can micro focus and go, well, they're only X number thousand of members. But if you've got X number thousand members and you expand that into the reach, the online realm, the, you know, the conferences, the get togethers that you have, the other things where people may be present and listening and you reach those people, it could be in the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people. So, right. uh, and that's, that's really the way that, uh, that it works. Um, so yeah, that's, that's good to know. Um, and as far as the, is it, is it headquarters? Are there different chapters? How does, how does all of that work? So we, we have a national board um, and we're actually located in a bunch of different places. Technically, okay. the club is headquartered in Massachusetts, but that's literally only because our executive executive director <laughs> lives there right. and we need an address. I mean, we have an office and all that, but but right. we are really we are, you know, this whole thing with COVID where everybody's like, well, hey, look, you can do it all online. Yeah, we've been doing that for a while. For a long <laughs> that, time. That's, yeah. that's how we've always functioned. Um, but right. we do have, you know, to say that at the national level and we're kind of the board over all the big groups. Then there are state level groups, and those groups have hundreds of people of them in some states. California is huge, you know. Right. And at that level, those states have a director and, and officers. And that's where we do a lot of our getting together and going shooting. Mm-hmm. So that's where we do a lot of our instructing. But that's also, you know, when I talk about having the social part, it's not just online. We go out, we have great shoots that are super fun. We do one in California that's called Meet in the Middle, and we go to the range in San Luis Obispo which is a beautiful range. And we have, you know, every year, 60 or 70 people come and have a great time and bring crazy, interesting firearms. And we go for the weekend and, and shoot everything from, you know, 
little rimfire on steel at 20 yards to to a thousand yard steel with wow. rifles and and shotgun you know it's great it's really fun wow with um dang i lost my train of thought i had a great question <laughs> it was like the greatest of all time it would rival larry larry king probably and it it it, it left me what in the world was i going to ask when we were talking about this and hopefully i can hopefully i can come back to it um yeah. So let's, um, oh, I remember what it was. So when you're talking about the legislative uh, side of things, um, I think that's great. You say you approach you, the left of center politicians. Mm -hmm. So does that mean that that primarily the, the liberal gun club is more active in the blue states than the red states? Or is it still as active, even though that state may be more pro-gun than others? Y'all still have the presence there. It it depends. It depends on what's going on. So politically, we spend more time in the blue states and the mm -hmm. states that are switching. So we've done a lot of work in Virginia and Washington and Oregon, California. Um, those are our big state focus on the politics. We have a huge chapter in Texas. We have a big chapter um, in North Carolina. We've got a good sized chapter in Florida. Like, you know, there are plenty of members all over the country in the red states for sure. And so like in Texas, we've done some work um, going in there and, and meeting with legislators and we definitely do it on the federal level too. So mm -hmm. going in and writing. And so like one of the things the club did this week, right? Is we mailed out postcards to every single one of our paying members and said, hey, here's the website of how to find who represents you. If you wanna do it at the state level or the federal level, you pick, but send out a postcard talking about that we exist and that you are a constituent who owns guns, but is liberal and, you know, opening a conversation with them to talk about that, that exists because, you know, on the meeting with the legislators on the right, a lot of times we don't want them to block something just because of the box, right? Like mm -hmm. sometimes there's something really good going on. Like we were proponents of fixed nicks. That exists. I mean, in the ideal world, you know, would we need to have background checks? Well, no, but we have them. So let's make them work properly. You know, things like that. It, it, it's more pragmatic than idealistic. Right. You know, on certain things like. Yeah, I mean, I, I think background checks should be free. I want to be able to do it on my phone for nothing. You know, if I'm going to have to do this, I want to be able to have Nick's on my phone where I can open it up and I can sell to somebody because I've run their background check. Like, if I'm going to have to do this, that's how I want it. And so we talk to people on the right about, look, these things exist. We'd like to see this way because, hey, look, you're impacting these communities by doing this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. talk about that. I think some of that could be a great tool for people in other areas and arenas as well, though. I mean, if I think that even goes beyond the yeah the firearm conversation, babysitters and employees, a lot of, yeah, lot of different right? uh, uses for that. I think, yeah, definitely. Um, so G Webs, and and if we take a pivot here, because I definitely wanted to talk about this. G Webs has a good one out there. Um, He's actually throwing several. I figured if he jumped in, he would do that to us. Uh, but he <laughs> says, with a Democrat majority in power, he says, will the uh, Liberal Gun Club be taking a larger role in the firearm research debate decisions at the state and federal level? And what is needed to assist the Liberal Gun Club in that role? So before we went live, we talked about you know, definitely covering that. So has there been any talk inside the organization about, well, now mm -hmm. that they're in power, 
it's going to fall to us. We need, especially in light of the NRA, who's done nothing forever, right? It's almost, we almost have a void, I think, um, as far as the gun owning voice. I, I don't know how you yeah. feel about the NRA, but the NRA to me has dropped the ball many, many times for many, many years now. Um, and, I live in California. I'm not fond. Right, right. Um, and they're moving here to Texas, the headquarters. So it's like, well, yeah. at, at least maybe I can go up there and complain in person now. So that, that could right. be nice. <laughs> right. Yeah. I um, mean, I, I live in California. I don't think they did much to save my gun rights. Right. Right. Um, and there are some good organizations that do fight on a, on a regular basis. But oh, yeah. It seems like they swoop in and they put their rubber stamp or their name on it. And that's about as much as they ever do. Uh, but back to the back to the question. Is there any talk internally about um, – there being more opportunity for the liberal gun club to be a little more active now. And, and again, the follow-up to that would be as people that identify as, as non-liberal, how can we move that forward and help? Um, so yeah, there, there has definitely been discussions about, right. I, I think one of the things to remember about our organization is that until four years ago, we were tiny, like mm-hmm. tiny, tiny. And now there's been just exponential growth. So um, we are definitely a growth phase organization. I think there's things we'd love to do that we, I mean, I think our biggest thing is funding. We we need money <laughs> to do more because we are an entirely unlike, you know, GOA or, or you know, NRA certainly and, and some of the big organizations. Mm. We are completely volunteer run. None of us take salary. I don't get paid for any of this. Um, and, and that's on purpose because we want the money to go to the work, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so the more we have that we can reach out and do things like have somebody who's doing the legislative research for us, that that is finally something that we have gotten to the point that we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's something that we're growing. We're growing, um, getting people on the ground in other states. But I, I think one of the things that people could do that would really help is reach out. Like if you hear of a bill in the state that you think we need to look at, and and, and I will talk about that a little bit. I think a lot of people are freaked out about HR 127, right? Um, the the yeah. crazy bill. That's not even in committee yet. We're yeah, not it's... there yet. That That is, I think that is all Dermon Strang. I think that is noise. And I think what that's going to be for is to say, hey, look, now we're being so much more reasonable for something that's. It's awful. to me, what I've, what I've said is it, it, I think at worst at this point, anyway, I think it's a fishing expedition. Yeah, I do too. Um, I think it's a fishing expedition as well as a virtue signal. If you look right. at the name of the bill, first of all, I'm in Texas. Sheila Jackson Lee. We won't get into personal opinions on her, but um, look at her political actions. Um, she likes attention. She likes doing things to get attention and taking a victim of, uh, you know, the El Paso uh, tragedy in El Paso, the uh, Santa Fe tragedy putting that victim's name on the bill and then calling it a a registration and licensing bill, which is going to freak everybody out when you say, because what's the one thing that people don't want, right? A registry. And you put that as the name of the bill. Well, regardless of what the bill says, do you, do you have any, that's not going to go anywhere uh, in in that, in that form, in that form, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, And if you look, it's been submitted now, it's been filed for over a month. With, as G. Webb's pointed out, Democrat majority control, and nobody's even co-sponsored or signed on or done yeah. anything. So, you know, I, I think it was saying, "Hey, here's let's throw a bunch of stuff at the wall, see what gets the 
the chatter around Washington right. or around state level, and then we'll slip that into something here or try that over there, or and I think that's where we got to be careful with it. Um, right, but but, yeah, it, too. It's, but it's sexy. It's so bad, right? right? That that for a lot of people it's sexy. So they could put up a title that says HB. You know, the, it's you know, taking all the guns away. You know, and people are going to flock to it, and, yep. and it's going to draw them into that. And they don't, and they don't talk about the political nuances and a lot of the other things. I think that's involved with it. So uh, we definitely, we definitely agree on that point for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, like looking at things like that, I think a lot of people are like, "Well, we want you to have an opinion on this." And and my opinion on it is, it's a fishing expedition. It's not where I'm going to put my limited resources. Let's look at the stuff that really matters. You know. But but if you've got something like you were saying, how can people help? If there's with all that going on out there, if, hey, if if that's taking up all the airspace and there's this little bill that you're worried about, yep. that no one's getting any attention because that thing over there is getting all the attention, right? The big, sexy, mm-hmm. scary one. Um, that, you know, let us know. And especially if it's something that, and, and, you know, your Democratic senator is doing something awful. It's probably not the approach, but, hey we have a problem. Here's what's up. How we think maybe you could help because they'll listen to you all day long. I'm going to help with that. You know, especially if it's something where, you know, you know, somebody's co-signed on or it's something that, that, you know, you're thinking, Hey, this might have this weird effect. Like there's somebody in California who wants to ban, I think it's bear hunting out here. And like that, you know, nobody's talking about that, but that's not actually good from an environmental standpoint. That's something we could do something about, right? Because we have some credibility to go talk about environmental. And, and that's something that people from our organization have been talking with some people in kind of the conservation side about, hey, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. This is a somebody who doesn't know how this works, Bill. Mm-hmm. You know, right. things like that. Um, we are more than happy. But yeah, you know, keeping stuff on our radar, there's so much that that's really helpful. Um, if there's rooms that people think we need to be in, if, if they're looking for somebody to do some outreach to get to somebody that they're not getting to, you know, that we're happy to go do that too, um, state and federal level. And, and, you know, I mean, I've, I've had meetings with Ted Cruz's staff and I've had meetings with Senator Feinstein's staff, you know, I'm, I'm happy to talk to whoever, <laughs> you right. know, I mean, that it's not, they don't have to be just my side. And, and I'll tell you, you know, I mean, we're the liberal gun club, not the Democrat gun club. Plenty of people in our organizations are plenty unhappy with their more liberal reps. You know, they, they, they do stupid stuff, you know? So we're, we're happy to talk about that. That's not, um, that's not something that, uh, either side of the aisle holds a monopoly on, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, So, uh, you know, I, that's uh, uh, most people, and that's why I say I hate boxes, and 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 I and I find myself doing it. Right? You talk about, we talk about, you know, like the elections, for example, and and I found myself saying a lot of times, saying, "Oh, if we can just hold on to the Senate, right? right?" And I'd have to check myself and go, "Wait, do I got a mouse in my pocket? What's the deal here? I'm not we. I'm not. I'm not one of them, but I would prefer because I like a balance of power, right?" right? Um, and so I don't like total one party control. Um, I think the, the founders, the way they set up separation of powers and a lot of in the branches and a lot of other things, they envisioned that that was probably what worked best. And then so when you intermix, we only have a two party system. And then if one of those two parties gets total control, whichever side it is, um, 
I don't, I don't care for that dynamic. Right. Um, yep. So I tried to back up instead of saying we, we need to keep the Senate that the Republicans need to keep, because I don't want to make it sound like I'm one of them and I want total control or I want that power. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, I like the balance. I don't really right. care which side. I just want the balance to be there. Um, now G23 out there, you were, you were talking about, um, different bills and things coming up and he was asking about, uh, the contact in Oregon and he was talking about, uh, Senate bill looks like 554 in Oregon. Is that one you're aware of by any chance? I'm not sure, but I can look it up for sure. It, it, it may be, and I, I may just not know it by number. Mm-hmm. 554? 554, SB 554. Yeah. Oh, let me look. I think this is, in fact, one that we've been working on. Oh, this is the one. Um, this is the the public buildings, firearms and public buildings. Yeah, we've we've had some meetings on that in Oregon. Our Oregon rep has been talking about that and, and the problems with it. And, and um, it's not particularly well written. It's a little bit overbroad. Uh, and and so, yeah, that is one we're aware of and, and that our Oregon rep has been talking to people on. Imagine that. <laughs> it's broad and it's vague. Yeah, yeah. It's and actually not so much that it's vague. It was definitely this is one of the ones. Let me see if I can look at it. Um, yeah, this is the one. A lot of the problems was that it it changed the definition of public building and it gave it gives. So let me just tell you what it is. It gives cities, counties, uh, metropolitan service districts, ports, airports, schools, colleges, and universities um, the ability to adopt ordinances or policies which limit um, the uh, possession of firearms in public buildings by concealed handgun licensees. So it's it it what it would do is it would create this patchwork of you would never know if you were allowed to have your firearm in a particular building. And that's the real concern with it, right? Is that they could have this policy and if it wasn't published properly, you could become a felon unwittingly because otherwise it's not a state law. There's nowhere for you to look and figure it out. It's just a policy. Right. So yeah. Yeah. That's the problem with it. Yeah. That's one that, uh, I mean, there's so many out there, especially on the state level, there's so much going on. There's so much, and that's one of the ones that we've been talking about, about, okay, look, we understand your concern about having firearms in the building. We don't agree with you, but if you're going to do this, you have to do it in a way that the firearm owners know what you're doing. Right. Right. You know, that would be the conversation we're having, and and we're not giving in. I mean, we're going to go in and talk about why it's a bad idea to have this limit, mm-hmm. but we're also going to talk about it's a bad idea to have this limit, and even if we can't change your mind, here's where it's really bad. You know, I mean... Sometimes there's, you know, again, it's that pragmatic part of, have you thought about this? And sometimes they, the things end up stopping completely. I mean, we had a big success in Oregon a couple of years ago, killing a few really bad bills because they just hadn't thought about it. Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, I think one of the other things people could do, especially, um, you know, is that, you know, I may not have a member, you may have a, uh, you may know that there's, you know, you, you may belong to a gun club where one of your democratic reps in your state house or whatever goes and shoots. You know, if you all know that somebody is on the left but owns a gun or is gun friendly, let us know. You know, that's super helpful for us to know because that is a lot of what we do is go in with people um, 
like Lee in Virginia, you know, I mean, he's real pro-gun. And, and so he is a great person for us to talk to because he knows where his colleagues are on things. He knows this person is a true believer and this person, well, this person just doesn't know anything about him. And hey, this person actually knows how to shoot. They're just, you know, they don't like AR-15s. You know, that that's a real spectrum in the gun world, you know, and, and to know that, I mean, I, I happen to know that there's some reps at the, you know, in, in Congress from California who shoot. Mm-hmm. On the Democrat side, you know, nobody really knows that, but I know because I've talked to him. You know, I've gone to the gun club with a couple of them. So that, you know, that kind of information is really helpful. Right. And so it sounds like, I mean, from the conversation we had, sort of to answer, I guess, the question that GWEBs have about what, you know, what can we do out here to help, yeah. um, help you guys with awareness of what's going on, research, right? Yeah. Pointing in certain directions. And so if, if somebody, has something that's on the radar what's the best way go ahead and cover that we'll do it before we leave of course again but what would be the best way to reach out um they can email me so my email is lara l-a-r-a at the liberal gun club.com and that's out on the webs it's it's uh there's you can reach us through our facebook page is a great way to get in contact there's a bunch of admins who monitor that we'll get in touch with you that way um, you can research more about our positions and our information. We talk a lot about root cause mitigation, that, that these ideas, right, that, that banning a gun isn't solving the underlying problem. And what we see is the things that would solve those problems. It's on our webpage at theliberalgunclub.com. So you can learn more about that kind of thing about us. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so we've got, I think this next one, got budget out there. Um, and this may this may take us into the next topic, kind of working that way. But um, he says, "I asked this with the utmost respect, and we I, I knew this was coming, and I'm sure you did you did too, uh, Laura." But says, "Can you explain the apparent contradiction of being pro two A yet voting for anti gun politicians? At that point, aren't you just someone who likes guns and are not pro two A?" With a question mark on, on that. Um, so, yeah, we get into sort of the label issue a little bit right. there. So um, that's the box, right? right? That's the box. Yeah, those are the I boxes. Mean, Correct. And I mean, you, you saw what I talked about. I mean, yeah, it's easy to be the keyboard warrior and say I'm, I'm single issue. But how many people do you know that voted for Trump that are socially liberal and fiscally conservative, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same thing of, well, how can you say you're pro women's right to choose and vote for a Republican? Uh, you know, I mean, like, but people, people but people do that, but people do that. People aren't single issue voters. It's lovely to say I am, but you're not. If, if a Democrat in your district said, Hey, I love firearms and I'm against AR 15 bans and, and I'm with you guys, would you vote for them? Probably not. Probably not. If there was a conservative on the other side with the same position, people aren't single issue. Um, and, and I think people love the idea that they are, and, and a few are, but, but most people aren't. And so my feeling about that is I'm not a single issue voter and, and I really want every single civil right for every single person. That's how I come at this. Uh-huh. And if I have a party that's closer to that, um, that I feel like I don't have to fight on everything else. Right. And who's not trying to take my bodily autonomy and is not trying to take my religious autonomy and is not trying to tell me that I have to be in a box. I'm going to vote for that party and argue with them on my one issue Uh instead of voting for the other party and fighting with them on every issue just because they like the one that I agree with. 
And, right. and I think that that's where a lot of people come down, right? And this is the balancing that everybody does. It is, it's not just me, My, mine's guns because of what I think. That's what people do, right? You look at the party that, and, and we have a two party system. And, and I think, you know, I think this is important. I think there's a lot of Americans on both sides who say this party doesn't really speak. Well, and I hope people are looking more at the candidates than the party. I stress that all the time because all the time you've got you've got some races that happen here in Texas where the Democrats are the better choice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, I wasn't registered as a Democrat until I moved to California because the state I lived in before had an open primary. I didn't have to. Right. And so I wanted to be able to go back and forth and say and, and you know, I've certainly not voted. This time I did because of races that I had in, well, no, I take that back. I didn't vote a straight ticket this time at, at the local level because there were some races where there were some independents running that were far better candidates yep. than any than anyone yep. on the, the party side. Especially, especially for here, which I try to get across, especially like appellate court judges, state level judges oh, and yeah. stuff. Um, the Democrat and the Republican are almost never... <laughs> My choice right. with those races, uh, almost never. If you really go and you research the candidates, you just it, it's hard to support either one of them. And I'm a lawyer, so I have a totally the way I vote for judges has nothing to do with how most people vote on a judge because they're they're affecting my day to day work life. I mean, I'm voting for them on on what's going to happen for my work life. It doesn't have policy is not what I'm worried about. I, I see a way different side of that and, and it has a way different effect on me and my clients than it does for most people. You know, people are concerned about the border or abortion or guns or family issues or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. When you're a lawyer, you're looking at judges in a different in a different light. Right. That's not what you're looking at. You're looking at right. how it's the court run and, and court efficiency and functioning in the courtroom and all those kind of things. That's what we're, we're looking at it a different way. And, and I think that people do that at the local level a lot more. And so I, I, I encourage everyone not to vote straight tickets and to really like pay attention to who are your candidates, you know, right. pay attention to, to where people are. I'm fine with you having different values than I have. I'm good with that. But I, I have a real problem with the tribalism. I mean, so one conversation that's been happening on my Facebook this week is about like liberals bashing Texans instead of the administrations multiple in Texas who have allowed the the grid to crash, right? I mean, that's not a party issue. That's a policy issue that's been going on a long time. Mm -hmm. And but you don't bash the voter for that, at least not generally. You know, I mean, the, the, well, the people here live it because the vast yeah. majority of people had no clue what was going on or. You know, and and it was it boils down it boils down to lack of oversight. And I mean, yeah. you know, to be fair, we're experiencing now in Texas a literal once in a lifetime anomaly. I don't think, at least in my the rest of my life, I don't think we'll ever see anything like this again. So to be fair, um, right. it, you know, they there wasn't everything was you know when things are good, you don't look into things, right? And so they were, there wasn't any oversight because everything, oh, everything's working great. Everything's fine. And then this hits and it exposes all of these problems. And then people are like, okay, how can things be this bad? Right. And it's like, well, because nothing ever happened for anybody to ask any questions before. Nobody asks questions until something's not working or something exactly. is off kilter or seems wrong. Right. When things are going right, nobody is skeptical enough. We have a problem in this country with critical thinking. 
to go, okay, things are running good, but what could happen or what right. is going on behind the scenes? How do we, how do we think about what the, the could be war game, those scenarios and make sure that those, those bases are covered. So yeah, I totally agree. And hopefully they, they get to the bottom of it. There's a lot of weird stuff going on with that. Um, you know, here in Texas, we can't vote. Um, uh, we can't vote straight party. We don't have that option anymore. And to, to what your credit, and this kind of goes into being put in those boxes, right? right. Uh, it's kind of like me when I talk about a Republican or something and I say we, and it's like, well, okay, I, I'm registered as a Republican. But the reason I'm registered as a Republican is because almost everybody that runs in Texas runs on the Republican ticket. And if I'm not registered as a Republican, I can't vote in the primary. Right. And the odds of the Republican winning in the general are pretty high. So I want to make sure that the best Republican is in the general, if that's the case. So, and a lot of people, they don't, they don't get that far. They, they see the box, they put you in the box and they expect right. you to stay there. And you're like, but it's not really that way. Right. right. Um, now G webs out there. He, he come in late. Um, if you don't mind backing up for just a minute, you covered three, um, quick things about liberal gun club earlier mm-hmm. um do you mind going through those real quickly again sure. for those that so come we, in late because they're asking those questions yeah no 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 so we have three our our overall goal is to provide a voice for left of center firearms owners in the conversation on guns in the u.s right in in the firearms world in the u.s we do it in three ways we have our political side which is our lobbying at the state and federal level um, and, and working on having our members write and contact their members and all of that and, and reaching out and talking about root cause mitigation instead of gun bans uh, kind of is, is the short answer of that. It's much more complicated, but there's that. Then there's the social aspect, right, which is our we have Facebook and Discord and, and forums and all these places for for left of center firearms owners. And by the way, we have everything from libertarians to like full communists who are our members. Our membership is not Democrats. Our membership is everything left. So. Um, and, and it's a place for people with that side of political beliefs to talk about guns and shooting, but also politics around guns. Um, so we have that. And then we have our education side and our education side is firearms awareness, firearms classes, and we have everything from classes for non-gun owners on how to make guns safe up to, you know, great full long weeks and weekends of training with certified instructors. And then we even certify our own instructors. Awesome. Thanks for, thanks for repeating yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I I appreciate it. Um, Yeah. Budget comes back after you had answered his question there uh, about the the conundrum or the paradox or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and he, he says that, uh, yeah, he said, it just seems that the Democrats who are not pro gun keep on getting elected. That's because there's more people that are not liberal gun club members than are. That's the only reason we need to up the membership. Right. Uh, And he says, but he says pro pro gun Democrats are great in his book. And, and yeah, there are, they are out there, um, being from Texas. I know for a fact, there are some that are out there. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot. Would you agree with this? There are a lot of Democrats that may not be pro second amendment or pro gun, but they're definitely afraid of tackling the issue head on. Right. Yes. It's something that they'd rather not touch. Yes. 
Yes, it, it's kind of a, they, they don't want to get into it. They're not going to talk about it. It's not their thing, but but they're not going to go against the party, right? And, and part of this is the party system we have is kind of, you know, blanks and that kind of thing. Um, there is definitely that issue. And, 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 you know, this is one of the things that other people in the gun industry talk about. This is not my invention, but there's gun people, anti-gun people, and non-gun people. And you have to remember that the biggest group of all of those is the non-gun people but they're the quietest. And so it's up to us writ large in the gun community to reach out to those people and say, hey, these laws actually are affecting people in a way you're not thinking about. Right. Yeah, they're affecting non-gun people. Right. Yes. Right. You know, okay. I mean, I, th I think that, I think it's going to change a little bit. I mean, I, I do think it's naive to think that these 8 million gun owners are something the, the new gun owners, right? And, and you know, the, the, the big influx, and maybe it's 3 million, but the new gun owners who are more left, who have come in this year, um, I, I think it's naive to think that they're suddenly be going to become Republicans. They're not going <laughs> right. to do that. No, I mean, right. that, that's just not, no. that yeah. is not how this works. But I also think it's naive of the Democratic Party to think that they can keep pushing this really anti-Second Amendment position and not have it have an effect now at least at lower levels. I think that it is going to have to, there's going to be some changes on how this gets pushed. I mean, I can tell you just from conversations I've had that some of the anti-gun organizations are worried. You know, they're worried about that. Yeah. Um, so G-Web's got a pretty good point with this because, you know, we talk a lot of time about you know, educating the new people. You talked about the new firearm owners that come in in 2020, uh, reaching those newer demographics. Um, but he says, what is there with the, the with the liberal gun club or just with you and, and outreach in general? Um, is there is there ongoing, I guess, how do I word this? Because I don't like the way he's got it worded. I'm going to read it like he says. <laughs> he says, why not also educate the old gun community about new takes on the gun debate, which is kind of what you were talking about earlier, I think, before a lot of them come in with taking a different approach rather than shall not be infringed and this takes my guns away, taking a different approach with the argument, right? Right, um, right. You made, the, you made the case about um, you know, affecting, affecting you know, certain certain demographics, right? Right. Uh, that really had nothing to do with the gun community. Right. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah, and, and right. that's part of it. And, and I understand what he's talking about. Um, part of it, and, and I don't mean this in a snarky way, but, but one of the reasons I do the spokesperson thing and, and that somebody else doesn't is that there's one guy in the club who says, well, we don't exist for you. And and I, I don't <laughs> like that either. But But it is kind of like the idea that we're not really here for the existing gun community. That's not really my job. I am happy that the existing gun community exists and there are people in it that do great work. But my job isn't that and I can't do it all. My job is to talk to these new people coming in and the people on the left because that's my voice and that's my niche. Um, and, and so to that extent, I think that there is a lot of education out there that could be great for the existing gun community and, and anyone in the gun community, frankly, anyone's welcome to be a member, but be polite, understand that we might have viewpoints that are different than yours. And we'll tell you, <laughs> you know, I mean, 
we, we don't exist to be convinced that the way it's always been done is the right way. Mm-hmm. We're doing something different because there's a need for what we're doing. Well, and and yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, we don't have to be all one homogenous thing sitting around a campfire singing kumbaya. Right. Um, you know, you've got your wheelhouse. I've got my wheelhouse. The NRA has their wheelhouse. The GOA has theirs. Whoever else, G-Web's out there has got, they've, they've all got their thing. And we're all reaching a certain demographic. We Because we're we're poised and better equipped, right, to reach that specific demographic. So rather than pointing a finger and saying, well, why aren't you taking care of these people? Are you taking care of these people? We we need, I always talk about the bridge, a bridge concept. Right. And so you've got all these islands, right? And if, as long as they have bridges and as long as we're communicating, like we are today, whatever, then like you, you asked for earlier, you said, Hey, if you guys out there know of any bills, you know, get them to, you know, email them to me, let us know. And so we can, you know, take a look at things like that. That's those bridges, right? That's those avenues that, you know, right. you're you're still in the fight and you're, you're the overall goal and we're still moving that direction. But everybody has their own set of objectives that is specific for the demographic that they're comfortable and also equipped, I guess, to work right. with them. I, I mean, I, I think it's kind of like, you know, we all do different things. And I, and I think it's important that the gun world be diverse. And, and I think that diversity in the gun world is a really important goal. And that means that people are going to do different things. And that doesn't mean that what somebody else is doing is the wrong thing. It just means that I don't need to come into your space. There's other people who do it better than me. Right. You know, I'm not going to be John Correa and I don't want to be John. I love him. He's a great guy. You know, he's a friend of mine. I like him, but I don't want to be him. That's not my goal. You know, And, and it's not my goal to go be, you know, various other people you know but it's also kind of not my goal to go be you know we aren't trying to be the alternative to moms demand gun sense right that we're, we're not just aiming at that demographic mm-hmm. we're gun owners we're focusing on that we're not i mean i'm gonna tackle their points but i don't have to be the exact opposite to them my right. goal's bigger than that Right. You don't have to be the anti-organization. Exactly. I have saying. to be my own organization. Yeah. Right. Um, the Jew and I think this may have been where he was, where he was going with this a little bit earlier. He says he, he personally wastes uh, a lot of his life defending the name liberal against the old perceptions of the, of the word liberal that these kids just aren't aware of or think it's funny to make old folks uh, get, get ticked off basically is what he says. So you, you, You've heard the disparaging remarks. I'm sure we all have, yeah. uh, whatever it might be, you know, whether it's drinking liberal tears to some of them that I won't even repeat uh, on this particular podcast. Um, and I guess that's what he's, what he's getting at is that it it's liberal is one of those things, man, we get into words, right. And some words are just so twisted and they have come to mean something that they really didn't originally mean, but right. so What's your perspective on that? I mean, I, obviously, we're not saying change the name from Liberal Gun Club to something else, but is there awareness within the organization that just kind of like we have to deal? Or I say we, I, you know, we all have to deal with it, but um, as firearm owners and as two A advocates, we have to battle the term assault rifle sometimes, right? Right. 
And it's like it doesn't mean what it think you think it means, you know. And liberal, I think, has become that way, and it is that way. Is people, especially if they're right of center, they they're quick to jump on. Oh, that's the anti-conservative, or that's the and the, again, we're talking about boxes. So, right. is there an effort to try to help understand the language or curtail the language or something in that sense, as far as the meaning of liberal? Not really. I, I think I think one of the things we do talk a lot about is that a lot of people on the right, um, and not everyone, but a lot of people on the right want us to be classical liberals. No, I mean, you know, our members are everything. We have socialist members. We have, you know, communist members. We have Democrat members. We have libertarian members. We have everything. We really mean liberal in the sense of liberal politics, but liberal, the ideas that um, that government's not bad just because government exists, the idea that change can be good, the ideas of inclusivity of community that, that is much more in our country a liberal idea than a conservative one, not, you know, I mean, literally these ideas meant in, in very kind of older terms meant willing to embrace change and conserving older, you know, conserving the way it's always been done. I mean, I don't think any of us are, you know, constitutional originalists in our club. I mean, we would never, you know, but I don't know, but, but I will tell you, there's plenty of spirited debate about what does that mean within the club? And, and certainly we all have different ideas of what's important and, you know, outside the gun world, I mean, it's, we're not homogenous, you know, and, and people on the left aren't homogenous any more than people on the right are. And, and so I think that that's really important. I mean, you know, we've talked about this a lot. Um, the Democrats keep screwing up and assuming that certain political, that, that certain blocks of people are always going to vote for them. That's not true. And you, you know, you need to really be reaching out to what are people concerned with in their day-to-day life? You know, you need to listen to that and, and talk to that. And, and so in very much in that way, we use the term liberal and not Democrat because we're not Democrats. Um, right. And and it's a broader for us. It's a much broader term, but you know, I think all of us think the liberal tears thing is mostly kind of funny. <laughs> um, you know, I think most of us are just like, yeah, whatever. Well, you know, I mean, there there could also be a conservative tears, you know, mug oh, or, yeah. or glass. I mean, there could be you could do that could go both ways. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a box thing. It's like I don't, you know, there's such a rush to put people into and define the people. It you know just yeah. down to the microscopic level of all the boxes they fit in. And, you know, I, that, that aggravates me about, you know, whether we're talking liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican, libertarian, gun owner, 2A, you know, advocates, um, hunter, competitive shooter, you know, right. whatever we're talking about, you know, why do we have to get down into the, why, what, what purpose right. does it serve? Because, like you said, it's, it's all about individuality. And I think the more people that embrace that, that's what I believe that's in large part, what built this country It's definitely what settled the West uh, was people getting up in the middle of the night going, Hey, we're tired of this. We're packing up the wagons and we're going that direction and we're on our own and, you know, we'll survive. And the next thing you know, they're building towns and moving into further West. And, you know, that's an individual spirit. Right. And it was the same spirit that that landed the first settlers here. 
um, obviously Native Americans being here before then, but uh, the first foreign settlers anyway, the same spirit, right, is taking it upon themselves, that individual spirit to get up and go. Um, the drawback, however, is exactly what we're talking about. The drawback, uh, and it's this great thing. I love individuality and the individual spirit. The drawback is when we're all individual, we've got all kinds of boxes that we could separate people in and, and poke them. And so we've got to get away from that. We've got to embrace the individuality and drop some of the boxes, I think. And part of... Yeah, and, and drop the tribalism. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it would be the same thing. Some of the tribalism you see, you know, if you didn't vote for Trump, you're not a real Republican. Or if you didn't vote for for Biden, right. you're not a real liberal. Like, that's not how this works. That's just not how this works. There were other choices. And, and you know, I think this past election, it was a little more stark. But most of the time, that's not true. And, and um you know, I think it's the same thing as if you were saying, well, you're not a real gun owner unless you own a revolver. You know, I would agree I, with that, by the way. I would agree you know, with that. But that, you know, that tells some of these people coming in that want to shoot rifle and that's what they want to do. Mm -hmm. I, look, I am one of these people. I do not like long distance shooting. I find it finicky and just <laughs> see, and, and it's just it's not fun for me, but I will happily go shoot rimfire all day long and I will shoot shotgun all day long. And there's other people who are like, how can you shoot something plays? It's the most boring thing in the world. You know, I mean, but can you imagine that if the gun world said you cannot consider yourself a gun owner unless you own a revolver? Mm -hmm. That's not, that's not how this works. Right now. Exactly. Um, so that, that moves us, I guess, into the last is we're kind of winding down here, but, um, I did want to touch on the, the Phoenix ammunition thing because you did have some posts on that right. uh, and not pick on them or, or specifically, but um, that was just another thing that, that it, it did get under my skin. Uh, first of all, you go to the website and regardless of whether you voted for Biden or not, you could click no and go buy ammo. So it it's virtue signaling was all it was anyway. Um, but I don't think it was in, I don't think that was in good taste. Um, but I, we've got to get away, uh, and I say we isn't everybody, but I think we've got to get away from, um, you know, I heard people, for example, I heard people that threw a fit when Trump was elected, hashtag he's not my president, um, that then Biden gets elected and the same people that were throwing a fit saying hashtag not my president now was mad because there was people saying that about Biden. Right. And then I've seen from Bush to Obama and then from Obama to Trump. And you see all of these different political dynamics where people flip flop whenever it's not their guy or things didn't go their way. Right. Um, well, they completely flip on those principles, the principles and everything. Right. right. And, that that aggravates me, and I, and I seen that. That was part of what I seen with the Phoenix ammunition thing. I'm like, you know, two weeks ago, everybody's throwing a fit how supposedly big tech is censoring everybody and, and deplatforming everybody, and then now you've essentially restricted a service over a voting decision maybe somebody made, which you, they didn't really. Again, how easy is it to just click no and buy your ammunition to be done? Right. Um, but it's still, it, it's that virtue signal is still there, right? There's still that aspect right. of it. Um, 
and it's aggravating. And, and that's something that I, you know, I say it a lot. You know, I think one thing that the vast majority of people, we talk about the far right, we talk about the far left, but the vast majority of people are in that center. I would say 80, 80 percent, right. right, are in that center. Um, we have the majority, unfortunately, as you pointed out earlier, it's the silent majority, but we have the majority. We really do. Um, and what, you know, getting people to, it, it, like I said, it's a societal thing, politics, people want to call to defund the police and we've got police brutality and all this other stuff that may or may not, whatever be going on according to what data you're looking at, right? Police come from society, Right. So that's right. the issue. Politicians come from society. So a lot of what we have is a societal problem. It's not a government problem. Right. It's a society problem. And that starts with us. Yeah. The, the people that are in the society. We need to promote, you know, morality in some, you know, um, and maybe morality even gets twisted in his bad words, especially when you start getting into LGBTQ and some things like that. Um, but you know, the golden rule, if nothing else, right? Right. Do, one, and, do and, unto others. How hard is that? Yeah. And, and I mean, I think there are, if you want me or my friends or my family dead because you disagree with me or you don't like what race I am or you don't like who I fall in love with, you and I have a problem and we are not going to be friends and we are not okay. A little bit. A little bit. And, 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 and I'm, I, I am, I do not feel that I need to be tolerant of your viewpoint about that. And I'm, I'm not going to be. Um, and I will tell you that people have said the only liberals, good liberals, a dead liberal. Let's start with her. I'm not going to be tolerant of you. No. And I don't think you should be in the gun community. If no. you're gonna say and, and, and I will tell you, and I don't think you should be there because I think you're why we're losing our rights. But if you're going to work with me, I'm not necessarily going to be tolerant, but I'll talk to you. And, and, yeah. and I don't necessarily need you to believe everything I believe to say, maybe there's something we can work on. But I will tell you that I, I do care about other things. My problem with things like Phoenix and what happened with Phoenix, and there's another shop who did it too, it doesn't help. It doesn't no. advance our rights at all. And it just makes the job that I do, which is trying to get those rights advanced, so much harder. I call it performative politics. Performative politics are harmful. They're harmful to our rights because all it does is make people think, wow, look at those people I don't agree with. They're jerks. Mm -hmm. Don't make my job harder <laughs> by being a jerk, please. Like, that's the problem with it. I, right. you know, if I have to go in and what I'm fighting about now is what some idiot put on the web about who can buy from my store. I'm not getting to talk about things like this bill is bad because it's harming this community that you don't mm -hmm. want it to harm. You know, if I'm having to, if, if I keep getting own gold, that's not going to help. And and so to me, it's, you know, I don't have the problem with, you don't like that I voted for Biden, so you don't want my business. Fine. I'm not buying from you. I'm good with that. That's the, you know, I might think it's a stupid business decision, but it's your business decision. Mm -hmm. But I do have a problem with, I'm going to put it out there and tell everybody that they have to agree with me or they're useless and they're not doing the work when I'm the one doing the work that I have a problem with. And, and so, and, and not just me, but, but when the other people, when the rest of us who don't agree with that are really the ones like, you know, we've talked about this. I had phone calls this week with women who are not gun owners, but who have political influence 
And we met them where we where they were and talked about all these things we've been talking about in our show about like on this show about like, mm-hmm. you know, here's the problems with these. And we were talking about red flag laws and we were trying to prevent a much worse red flag law from going in in a particular state. Right. And because the group that met with them were kind and agreed with some of what they said and said, yes, I understand how you have this position and no, I don't expect you to change your mind, but here's, here's where we're from. Here's how we see this. We think that we've changed how that law is going to look, you know, that's the work and getting out there and trying to take all the air out of the room. Again, it's these things, you know, these things that take all the air out of the room that aren't the real important things. Those need to be sidelined because they're not helping. Yeah, no, I would I would agree, and I, and I think a lot of it, I think a lot of it is intentional to do that. And Jesse out there kind of has has a good point, and maybe a uh, a good way to start winding down. Actually, says that she absolutely agrees with you. Uh, the extremist that she will not tolerate them. But if we don't agree on something, it doesn't mean that there isn't room to have the discussion. And uh, she enjoys the conversation, uh, even when they when she doesn't agree. And I think that. You know, you you talk about the extreme and, and on whatever side of whatever subject it might be. I, I think people should take a pause, look at look at what they're what the what they do before they do it, mm-hmm. and understand potential ramifications if that is extreme. Because whether we're talking about, you know, whether we're talking about a, a, a mass murder. Right, which would be the extreme end mm-hmm. of firearm ownership, um, affecting policy for everybody else in the country. You know, right. that's an extreme end. So, right. So, there are other things you can do. You don't have to take it that far to be an, you know, to that level or whatever to be extreme at something. And so, if you go too extreme, then you're going to have people that that judge. Again, they're going to throw lots more people into that box, right? And say, oh, well, these people like the color purple. And that's a silly way to do it, but that's literally what people do. Well, since this mass murderer wore a purple shirt, everybody that likes purple, they must be a mass murderer. We need to ban purple shirts. It's right. like, it, what, it, what? And so it's just a matter of, I think, using your noggin and... <laughs> Yeah, and taking a step back, and again, I get back to it being a societal issue and the golden rule. You know, yeah. Um, can we argue? Sure, we can argue. Can we debate? Sure, we can debate. Um, do we have the freedom and the capacity to just blatantly ignore facts? Some people are going to do that. Um, it's going to happen, and yeah. so when that happens, the conversation goes so far. You need to understand when it's time to just walk away. I think at that point, because. I think that's a lot of the problems that people have is instead of planting a seed, right? You can have a conversation and then you can realize when that conversation has reached uh, critical mass, it's, it's not going any further and, and shake yeah. hands and go, Hey, I appreciate the conversation. Make about you know, think about what I said, what I said, and I'll, and I'll think yeah. about what you said, right? Be cordial about it. Walk off. And maybe a week later, a month later, two weeks later, Maybe something comes up in your life that it changes your mind now because you've talked to that person. You've got a different perspective. You've got a different idea. Something has happened in your life, right? And the same can be said for firearm ownership, right? 
Um, you're talking to somebody, they don't understand it. Well, maybe their wife gets mugged two weeks from now, or maybe their house gets broken into two weeks from now. And they think, you know, I had a great conversation with a guy we didn't agree, but he told me that I was in control, you know, that, that I was responsible for my own protection and the protection of my family. And that's why the second amendment was there. And that's why we should be able to own firearms. And you know what? I'm not going to get my house broken into again like this. I'm going to go out and get a firearm and learn how to use it. And you know right. what I mean? But if you, if you butt heads and you, and you, you cause, you know, it reaches critical mass and you allow it to explode, then I think you've, I think you're done at that point. I think you, you, I think of the term hardening a heart, right? And it's not the same right. thing, but I think you, you get to that level as far as a way of thinking in some people, you will, solidify their resistance to where even if something happens in the future that could potentially change their perspective because you planted that seed, um, they're not going to be as receptive to it. I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, and I think that's kind of our job is, is we're not, you know, when you have the facts on your side and when you have the, hey, you know, this is a silly idea. You can't go in and just say you're stupid for this. You have to go in and say, "Hey, what about this? What about this idea?" Yeah, I understand your concern. I mean, this is you know one of the things that like we talked about earlier. I think it's really a problem to tell somebody that they're wrong for being afraid of a firearm if they've never been around one. I think that you know invite them to the range, but if they're too afraid to go, say, "Hey." You know, I have a cert pistol. This thing can't fire a bullet. It doesn't have a barrel. Why don't you like, can I show you what I do? Can I show you how the tool works in a way that's not loud and not scary mm -hmm. so that you understand why I do this, what the fun part is about this? Right. You know, and, and talk about that. And, and, you know, if you've got somebody who's really terrified, I mean, I was completely terrified the first time I fired a gun. I didn't grow up with them. You know, if you've got somebody who's scared, meet them where they are and, and, Think about a new way to come at that. Don't just tell them they're dumb because they don't agree with you. You know, I, I think that's that's one of the things, you know, talk about if you have somebody who doesn't agree with you. You know, I have plenty of conservative friends who don't agree with me on a lot of points. And, and I've argued them for years. And all of a sudden they've said, oh, that's why you've been talking about this with some of the stuff that's happened the past, you know, six months. They're like, oh, this is what you've been talking about. Yeah, this is what I've been talking about. Right. right. You know, not not the everyday life, but this this is what I've been worried about. Oh, you know, that happens. Like and, and that happens, you know, I, I think that that reach out to people and, and being kind is really underrated. <laughs> you know, I think that that's important I too. I agree. Yeah, it's it's and twenty twenty did not help with the social distancing <laughs> and doing everything online and not being able to get together for events and do other things. Right. Um, you know, it, it's not helping at all. Uh, but we've already been moved that way so heavily with being in our phones or our devices or whatever. And then that just, that was almost the nail in the coffin. I don't know if we get back to, you know, a society where people can actually face to face, have meaningful yeah. conversation anymore. And even talking like this, add on anonymous social media and things like that, and being able just to type on the keyboard. Yeah. That's the most horrible way of communication ever. But even this can be this medium. It's not in person. You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So there's a certain amount you could get away with if if you wanted to. Um, Gun Library Jarrett out there, he dropped a $10 super chat. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Didn't ask a question or anything, unfortunately. Um, 
Now, G Webs has got one more, and I think I think we'll end it on this, uh, Laura. But he says, because um, I, I think this is a, a good one. Uh, you talked about some of the ways that you guys uh, communicate with the politicians and stuff. So he says, what is the potential to change the direction of federal gun laws from the liberals' point of view? So when you're talking about approaching those politicians, is there do you have to approach every piece of legislation differently or is there one overarching theme that the liberal gun club kind of uses to say pretty much anything anti-gun is does this? Yes, um, mo- mostly. Right. So there's two big things that we look at. Um, we look at how does this bill affect gun owners? And we also look at what problem is it supposed to solve, right? And really our emphasis is what problem is it supposed to solve? Because most legislation, and this is not stuck on gun legislation, doesn't do what it's right. actually meant to do, right? It, 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 and it's just the nature of the beast. Mm-hmm. So we focus on what we call root cause mitigation. If you're trying to, and the most obvious example of this is a gun ban, right? How does banning an AR-15 make people safer? And the obvious answer, and we all know this, is it doesn't. I mean, I will tell you, I live in a state with an AR-15 ban and I own more than one that I've bought legally because they're furniture. You're banning furniture. If you don't understand firearms, there's a workaround, totally legal workaround. Not a, And I don't own anything that's illegal. I own everything I own is legal under this ban. Mm-hmm. You know, because you can't ban furniture and people are inventive and it doesn't take a gun away. What you're trying to do is make kids safer. What you're trying to do is reduce violence. So what we look at is what's the policy that actually reduces violence? And there's lots of them. Universal healthcare reduces violence because it allows people to get healthcare and mental health care. Reducing income inequality in various ways and, and by the way, this is not just taxes. This is all kinds of different things. We'll do this. Mm-hmm. That reduces violence because when people aren't poor and terrified and hungry and fighting each other, violence goes down. Mm-hmm. When you talk about reducing domestic violence, violence goes down. When you talk about getting people mental health care, suicides go down. Those things help. And so we go and talk to the politicians about Here's the things that actually help the underlying problem. Yeah, I, um, you know, you hit on something there. You just kind of glossed over it. And I thought, you know, that's, that's actually when we question a piece of legislation and we say, is it going to fix the problem? And you brought it up that it's not just with anti-gun legislation, it's with any legislation. That's one of the questions I have for, and I get people are, Maybe 2A, maybe that's their only one. Maybe that's their top five out of, and that's the only things, the three or four or five they pay attention to. But I think we have better odds at being able to communicate with politicians on the 2A stuff if we can communicate with them on the other stuff that doesn't solve problems as well. We learned, right? And they kind of learn how to identify that, well, this bill doesn't, solve this particular problem and totally agree on the you know i would say different when you say uh when you talk about you know the um 
the poverty level, you know, socioeconomic uh, issues. I don't know that we would agree on what the right medicine would be for that. Right. But I think we totally agree that that is definitely for urban violence, especially uh, gang violence, things like that. Definitely, a, definitely a problem without a doubt. And that type of violence does put a tarnish and a black eye on the gun community, the firearm community at large. So it's definitely something that um, we need to be cognizant of as I think as, as firearm owners. Um, so we've got. We had one more because I missed one from Defense Dad, which was interesting. And I'm ignorant a little bit to this, uh, but I'm going to ask you this, I guess, in, in closing. And we do. We got to get out of here. Uh, but he said. Uh, so when y'all do y'all's classes, you're talking yeah. about your instructor's classes. Um, he said that is there any way to know or discover if you're training a member of Antifa? Now, before you answer this, let let me at, let me say something. I don't understand. It's we're not talking about the Marine Corps and giving people access to nukes or anything else. And I'm not convinced that anybody that is Antifa is a horrible person going to do horrible things. So with me saying that, <laughs> I'll hand that one to you. Um. It, yeah. Do you, do you know how how does Antifa play into Liberal Gun Club? Is there a a what am I thinking? Um, a organizational statement on that aspect of things? There's not because they don't do purity tests. Um, I, I so part of it is is that's a whole other podcast on what is Antifa and what is Antifa. And <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm not I'm and not versed enough whole, in that. Yeah. Oh my God, that's a whole nother hour that we could do. Um, yeah. And what? Can, and what's to say they don't come to your training and then six months later they join some type of Antifa thing, right? And you wouldn't I mean, know anyway. So I, I, I. No, there's no way for us to know, and and frankly, that wouldn't be a disqualification in our membership for the most part anyway. Not because we're condoning violence, but because that's not what our memberships about, right? In other words, I'm not. I don't know because I don't think I'd ever know, right? I mean, that it, it's not how Antifa works. I think what he's really thinking about is black block left-wing protests, which is different and it's a little confusing. And there are groups in Portland that call themselves Antifa, Antifa, that are particular organizations. To the extent you're asking me, do I know if somebody's a member of that organization? No, and that's because of how they work. Um, so I wouldn't know. And but would I disqualify somebody because they believe that fighting fascists is a bad idea? No, obviously not. Right. I mean, I don't think any of us approve of fascism to the extent that somebody says, hey, look, I'm an anti-fascist. Right. That would clearly not be disqualifying. Right. So, right. Well, and, and not Antifa, but anti-fascist. I'm anti-fascism. Right. And I and I get it. And I, I could probably answer this for you. But but he did follow up. He said he, he meant like in the course of a class, something seems a little off. And then oh. you guys discover that they're there to get training because they maybe they want to go perpetrate violence. I'm assuming that would not be tolerated. Right. That would absolutely not be. And it wouldn't matter what type of violence. they. Yeah. Who it was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it wouldn't. I mean, 
if they were talking about you know sniping people or some weird something it'd be like mm, go you need to go <laughs> somewhere yeah, else well, right i mean violence violence is violence if you want to use a firearm to kill people because you have some wild west fantasy right. about how this works i don't think right. any legitimate firearms train owner would train anybody for that i mean I right. would no more train that than somebody who came to me and said, well, I want to go work in a three percenter militia and we're going to go shoot people on the border because they're trying to cross. I'm not going to train them either. You know, right. I, you know, that if that if you have some weird revenge fantasy of how a firearm works, I'm not training you. Right. You know, but but if you have a political belief that's not inherently violent, I'm not going to disqualify you for your non inherently violent political belief. Right. Yeah, and G Web says, yeah, that can happen in any type of firearm training. Yeah, I mean, you know, have any, you know, and and how do we even know? How do we know that they were? Because I think a lot of the people that are thinking that way is probably mentally off in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And so, you know, maybe they weren't mentally off when they went to the training, and then six weeks later they become mentally unstable, and yeah. they've already gotten the training. So. Yeah, it, it's 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 such a moving target. That's a hard one to deal with. So, uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think we deal with it the same way all firearms trainers deal with. There's something that's not right here. Uh -huh. And I mean, we've I've definitely been in classes where somebody was asked to leave. Well, and, and I'm usually, sure, you know, I mean, and you have too. I'm sure it's because uh -huh. they're not being safe. Well, and and for me, and I deal most have dealt mostly on the on the youth level, right? Uh, youth shooting right. sports and and not adults. But if if I've got a a kid or you know that could even translate an adult yeah if something seems off or not right they're gonna little get a little more extra attention so i can try to figure out what's going on right yeah. are they just having a bad day or something went on in their life or are they off their completely off their meds or off their rocker or you know that way i can better figure out how to deal with it because sometimes they just may be having a bad day and a little extra attention and support. And by the end of the training session or whatever, they're fine. They were just, right. they just come into training and they, they, they'd had a bad morning. They were a little bit depressed or a little bit down and now they're fine. So uh, I think it does require that. Again, we get into individualism. Everybody's right. different. Everybody's going to take things differently and everybody's going to react to things differently. Um, and so we've got to be, we got to be prepared to deal with that. Um, I'm going to give you, give you a quick second here. Because we are, uh, we definitely out of time for this one. Yeah. But, uh, thanks to thanks to the live chat, everybody out there, great questions, and uh, you really helped push the conversation along. I know I've enjoyed it. Um, give you a minute, Liberal uh, Gun Club. Uh, any following on social media for you? Anything that you want to put out there? I'll give you a chance to do it right quick. Yeah, um, our website is theliberalgunclub.com. We're on Facebook as The Liberal Gun Club. We're on Twitter as Liberal Gun Club. Um, you know, you Google us, you'll find all of our stuff. We're out there. We talk about stuff. We're happy to talk to anybody. If you have questions about how did I come into firearms? What are my beliefs? What does it mean to be liberal? What does it mean to be a liberal firearms owner? We'll, we're happy to talk to you about that. I mean, we we really do. We're out there. And, and again, if people have, hey, we're concerned about this legislation, it may not be something that's pinged on my radar. Let me know. You know, yep. we're, we're looking at all that. Um, we are happy. We will really talk to anybody. If, if you're coming to talk to me in good faith, I'm happy to talk to anybody about all this. And and to that to that note, again, we keep getting back on stuff here. But yeah. um, let's say I hear a lot that people go, oh, my congressman, my representative, my, you know, he's a Democrat and I can't go talk to him. You guys would be a good resource, would you not, to get yeah. some advice on how to talk to that Democrat politician yes. potentially? 
Yeah, I'm happy to talk to people about that. And and I just actually did an Assorted Calibers podcast on that. I think the one that's awesome. actually up right now is about that. How do you go talk to these people? Um, the other resource for that is Guns Guides to Liberal is amazing. Um, Sarah and John, who did that podcast, go just listen to that. Um, but but awesome. talk to your anti-gun politicians. You know, you're still their constituent. Go talk to them. Right. You know, and, and and but be nice. Again, kindness is underrated. Go be kind. Go be nice. Talk to them about, you know, and 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 invite your liberal friends to the range for fun. Mm-hmm. Don't invite them to go have a conversation about Trump or Biden or whatever. <laughs> invite them to go have fun. Right. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. Agreed. Uh, so that'll do it for this podcast. Uh, Ms. Laura, thanks again for uh, for joining us. And uh, yeah, until the next one, folks, we'll see you. Peace. Thanks so much.